Hey, D here. Before we get started today, I have a quick ask. So one of the unexpected but delightful parts of working on the show has been getting emails from you all about the science-inspired art you've been working on in your spare time. I've loved getting these, and I'm actually working on an upcoming episode featuring listener art. So if you've already reached out, you'll likely be hearing from us soon, but if you make things that combine art and science and you want to share it with us, we would love to know about it. You can write to us about your projects or send a voice memo talking about them to universe at sciencefriday.com, and we'll be reaching out to people in the coming weeks. Thanks. We appreciate it. And here's today's episode. Hi, this is Universe of Art, a podcast from Science Friday and WNYC Studios about artists who use science to take their creations to the next level. I'm Dee Peterschmidt. Whenever I go to a museum, I love looking at the art, obviously, but I also wish I could talk to the artist about how their work came together, why they wanted to make it. It's why I like shows like Song Exploder so much. Art, to me at least, is always a bit more enjoyable when I learn the story behind it. And luckily, we can do exactly that with the show. First up is artist Heather Dewey Hagborg's recent exhibit about our relationship with pigs, how we've genetically modified them through selective breeding for millennia, and how scientists are continuing to modify them through gene editing to produce human-compatible organs. And then we'll take a visit to another exhibit that asks, what if we get it right with climate change? There's some really cool stuff in that. Uh, Heads up, though, these exhibitions have closed already, but we have photos and videos and all this stuff on our website, and I'll shout out those links later. So buckle up, we're going on a little field trip today. First stop, Heather Dewey Hagworks Hybrid and Interspecies Opera. To start, I chatted with Science Friday guest host Flora Lichtman about the exhibition. Producer Dee Peterschmidt is bringing us a story about an art exhibition that explores our relationship with pigs. Dee is here to tell us about it. Hi, Dee. Hey, Flora. Okay, tell me about this show. Yeah, it's called Hybrid and Interspecies Opera, and it's basically a, a multimedia ode to the pig. So there's opera, uh, there's 3D clay prints of pig statues, and a short documentary of scientists who are working to create like these compatible organs and pigs for human transplantation, um, which is called xenotransplantation. And basically, the show is just trying to get at like, you know, humanity has had this millennia long relationship with pigs. We've been genetically modifying them for centuries just through like breeding. And, and the show is kind of asking, like, how far will we actually go to make pigs work for us? Did the show make you see pigs in a new way? It did. I mean, it was really striking to see uh, during the documentary, the pigs actually in the lab and the scientists are like very respectful towards them and are clearly care about them. But ultimately, their lives are going to be used for research. Um, And so we think about pigs in the context of our food. But this kind of made me think about them in terms of like how we're trying to solve human health problems using them. Well, I can't wait to hear more. Dee, take it away. In 2015, artist Heather Dewey Hagborg came across news from the Wies Institute at Harvard, which had made a record 62 edits to a pig's genome using CRISPR to make their organs more compatible for human transplantation. More than 100,000 people are waiting for an organ donor in the U.S., and many of them will likely never get one. So since pigs' organs are so similar to humans, scientists have been genetically modifying them to make sure people can actually live a full life with, say, a pig heart. And I thought that was really fascinating on a philosophical level and, of course, all of the ethical questions that it raised. Heather also self-describes as a biohacker and has worked with genetics before in her art and decided to pursue that topic for her next exhibit. 
So the main kind of research question for me was really to probe this question that scientists very often say that genetic engineering is a continuation of 10 millennia of domestication, selective breeding. And I wanted to just dig into that and see, is there is it a rupture? Is something radically new happening with CRISPR gene editing? Or is it a continuation? So she started doing research into xenotransplantation and interviewed scientists and archaeologists. And Heather was surprised how long we've been modifying pigs for our benefit. There's a timeline on the wall in the exhibit that gives kind of a highlight reel of our relationship over the last 10 millennia, how modern pigs were domesticated from ancient wild boars in both China and Europe. Tissue and organ transplant experiments started in the 1900s, and in the last decade, scientists have been using CRISPR to reduce the chances of organ rejection from the immune system after surgery. But the field is moving so fast that she had to make a last-minute change to that timeline. So as we were putting up the story of the last individual who received the xenotransplanted heart, it originally said that the, the individual would still be living. Um, and he passed away basically the day before the opening of the art exhibit. So that was a, a sad change that we had to make. That patient, who was the second person to receive a genetically modified pig heart, died six weeks after surgery. Heather didn't want to talk to just scientists over Zoom about xenotransplantation. She wanted to actually see one of these labs for herself. So she went to the Ludwig Maximilian University in Munich, which has its own lab that is working on genetically modifying pigs for xenotransplantation, and she brought a film crew. The resulting documentary plays in the exhibit, but she took a slightly different approach to the soundtrack. And I was just really blown away by the power of the words of these people, um, the drama that was there, sometimes the humor. And so I started to suddenly started hearing it in this kind of opera voice, you know, singing these words out. And then I thought, I wonder if I could make that happen. That would be a really interesting approach and do something very different than your standard kind of talking heads documentary. And one of the really important points is what a tiny fraction, the number of pigs being used for xenotransplantation would be relative to the number that would be used for, for meat production. Um, and he says in there, it's like, a few hundred thousand per year, a fraction of the three billion consumed for food. And then, of course, the chorus that comes there, which is thousands of clones every day. Luckily, I'm also not the one singing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't that bad, though. But I do walk around with it stuck in my head. There is a guilt. There is a betrayal. The film ends with Heather standing on a beach, making a pit fire, and placing 3D-printed clay pig models that were scanned from ancient boar ceramic statues into the flames. It's her way of memorializing pigs, past, present, and future. When I started the research, I thought that seems pretty problematic to be exploiting all these pigs. And then through talking with scientists, eventually then meeting the pigs, meeting the veterinary scientists who were working with the pigs, seeing the care that was there, in addition to, of course, the kind of tragic deaths that they face uh, definitely did give more dimension to my understandings of it. But another branch of the project is around anticipating what pigs might become and thinking about directions that pigs might go in the future. 
You can check out photos from Heather's exhibition at sciencefriday.com slash pigart. After the break, we'll head over to a hopeful museum exhibit curated by an ocean scientist that asks the viewer, what if we get it right with climate change? We'll be right back. Hey, Universe of Art, we're back. Next up on our field trip, we're going to check out a show called Climate Futurism, curated by marine biologist Dr. Ayana Elizabeth Johnson that appeared at the Brooklyn-based Pioneer Works Museum. She thinks a lot about not just one ideal climate future, but a range of futures that could be better if we make some changes. She's helped steer related environmental policy, written books and articles on this topic, co-hosted the podcast How to Save a Planet, and for this exhibit, she worked with three artists who offered their own creative visions for how we could build a more sustainable society. And one of the main questions it asked the viewer is, what if we get it right? I talked to Ayana along with artist Erica Demon, one of the three featured artists, about reconnecting with nature, food justice, and why the exhibit is called Climate Futurism. Ayana started by answering that. The question that I've been asking myself for a few years now is, what if we get it right? There's so much like apocalypse, doom in filmmaking, in social media, that I feel like we've lost the ability to imagine the future that we want. And so when I think of climate futurism, I think about, okay, we have basically all the climate solutions we need. What if we actually implemented them? And so with this show, I was glad to have the opportunity to engage with artists around these questions of what is the climate future we want to create? What should we take with us? And what should we leave behind? My name is Erica Demon. I am a visual artist and I am sharing work as part of this installation. Erica lived in Seattle during 2021, which was the hottest summer on record for the city. She also had access to a garden there and was reminded of the farm her parents once had in Jamaica. But then as I researched more and went into my family's history and time in Jamaica, I was really inspired by what Jamaican farmers were doing with the land and with the acknowledgement of the change in the climate. Erica learned that Jamaica is experiencing declining rainfall due to climate change, which is forcing farmers to find new ways to tend to their crops. Some have partnered with the UN on a program that uses water tanks to collect rainfall from roofs, allowing farmers to stock up on water during dry periods. It made her think about how this adaptability to climate change is connected to the adaptability of the Black diaspora, faced with the historical loss of sovereignty amidst the backdrop of the Middle Passage and colonialism. For Erica, adaptability is a crucial component to Ayana's question, what if we get it right? So I have seeds from England, where I'm born, and Jamaica, sourced from Black farmers in the U.S. And so I embedded these seeds into this plaster that I hand-painted. The result is about 500 of these seed-embedded gypsum plaster shards suspended from the ceiling. The piece is called Give Us Back Our Bones. That history became really important to think about how we have got to this moment in time where the planet is changing its environment and how that narrative fits into it. But also there is this distinct possibility, which I think Ayana is talking to, which is getting it right. And for me, the seeds kind of represent that possibility. In initially hearing Erica describe her work was that she was imagining this art installation as a portal, as a place where people could ponder their own histories and think about how they want to create 
the future and what they might have to offer. Erica is joined by exhibits from poet Denise Froman and visual artist Olaleik and Jayafus, who also weaved in their family's histories to consider possible futures with our changing climate in mind. In the program for the exhibition, Ayana writes that she wanted the show to jolt the viewer from a, quote, doomerous resignation around climate change. I asked her what she meant by that, and she told me that she just doesn't think it's useful. Like, we don't get to give up on life on Earth, she gestures wildly (laughs) into the void. (laughs) Um, And I honestly just think that's really boring. What are you going to do, like sit on the couch and watch the world burn and melt around you? And so nothing about this show assumes that the future will be easy, but we literally have to make the future that we want to live in because the difference between one degree of warming and five degrees of warming is hundreds of millions of people's lives. So it actually does matter even if we get it partially right. And I guess that can sound incrementalist, but I think it's just realist. I'm not an optimist. I'm, you know, a scientist. I know what those scientific projections are, but I also know that all of those projections show very clearly that there is a range of possible futures. And so my work is trying to be a part of making sure we have one of the best possible futures. And I just feel like there hasn't been enough discussion of what future we actually want and how we're going to like all get there and not leave some groups behind the same groups that always get left behind. So this is also a show about justice, because if we get there and leave poor people, communities of color, coastal communities, our diasporas behind, then like that's not a future that I want. Ayanna wasn't alone in thinking about justice as a part of our climate futures. All of the art in the exhibit tie in farming in some way and the power that comes from growing your own food. As we were talking, Ayanna was reminded of a quote from the civil rights activist Fannie Lou Hamer. When you've got 400 quarts of greens and gumbo soup canned up for the winter, nobody can push you around or tell you what to do. So the thought of like the Black and Caribbean diaspora mashing up with food and culture and regenerative agriculture, like what if climate adaptation is beautiful, right? And so the words that I, you know, hold on to that are really the theme of my book of that same same title, What If We Get It Right, are possibility and transformation. And that's kind of what I'm hoping that people take away from this show is the huge amount of possibility that exists and the gargantuan amount of transformation that needs to happen to deal with climate change and create a climate futurism that actually works for real people. And you can see photos from the exhibition on our website, sciencefriday.com slash climate future. Universe of Art is hosted and produced by me, Dee Peterschmidt, and I also wrote the music. Our show art is illustrated by Abel Hayford, and support for Science Friday science and arts coverage comes from the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation. And again, if you've been working on some science-inspired art and you want to share it with us, let us know. We'd love to feature you on an upcoming episode. You can send us an email or a voice memo to universe at sciencefriday.com. We'll be back in two weeks. See ya.